Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. Today's episode is an interesting one. I talked to a civil engineer who reached out to me with some real concerns about our industry moving forward. In his email, he didn't think that civil engineers could really be successful moving forward because of the many hurdles. And in the episode, we talk about that. We talk through some of them like money and has civil engineering become a commodity and is there enough innovation? It's a really interesting episode because quite frankly, on this podcast and I think on social media and out there, you see all the great things about civil engineering and, you know, we're going to save the world through infrastructure and all these things. But this engineer brought some real concerns to light and I'm really glad he did. I'm going to read you his email in a moment that he sent to me. But before we get into the episode, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Please listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2018. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to our listeners. So please don't miss it. I also want to mention if you go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, if you click on the upcoming webinar, you'll have an opportunity to join us for our next webinar. And our next webinar coming up is going to focus on how to become an entrepreneurial engineer. That's something you can jump in on. And if you missed the live session and you join our community, you can get access to it through the recording. You can find everything at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. One day I got this email that came in through the website and the subject was basically, can civil engineers be successful? And I was like, this is interesting. And so I read the email and I said, you know what? This is definitely a podcast episode. And I emailed this gentleman back, Shane, who's been a civil engineer for about 10 years. And luckily he agreed to come on. So first thing I want to do is read the email for you, at least most of it, before we jump into the conversation with Shane, because I think he did bring up some real concerns that we all need to think about. The email goes like this. Is it worth it? Can civil engineers really be successful? For me, success would be owning a home, not easy in this area, having enough income and time to take a ski trip to Canada in my van every winter, and traveling out of the country once a year. Ideally, I would like to not work 50 hours a week for the rest of my life. I am more than willing to do that now, but I want to see a light at the end of the tunnel. This is not unique to me, and all sorts of early to mid 30 friends of mine are in the same boat. I figure I need to make $100,000 per year or a bit more ideally in about 45 to 46 weeks of work to live the life I want to live. Let's just say two and a half to $3,000 per week. That is definitely not possible for every civil engineer, especially in smaller firms. I mean, I can do the math. I know my billable rate and how much effort it takes to win and then scope and, and finally get a project contracted. It is possible, but you need really good clients and the land developers I work with are all about how fast and how cheap you can get stuff done. That is the nature of consulting. Time is money and you will always be capped by how many hours you can work. Civil engineering is not scalable. I look around me in this field and I have a hard time seeing anyone I want to emulate. There are plenty of people I see living a life, at least from the outside, I would want to lead. 
but there are entrepreneurs, work in real estate, land developers, work in technology, doctors, lawyers. I know several good, respectable CEs, but none of them seem to be living lives worth modeling. Can you point out some CEs that are doing it differently? I am not all doom. I do think we can use technology to be more efficient. The way we work is changing, and you can scale by hiring out grunt EITs to do the CAD work for less money. I would love for you to do a podcast or article on the real value of civil engineering and what is the future of the field. It seems like there are some underlying factors that make it not very valuable. Construction basically hasn't changed in 80 years. The tools, the problems, the methods we use are not new or innovative and therefore are not valuable. I understand why. It is public infrastructure and it can't fail, so things change very slowly, if at all. Because nothing is new, it almost seems like a field waiting to be taken over by computers or robots or outsourced to cheaper labor in another country. Should I get out now? And should we all just be designing computers to take over our jobs? The last part was a little dark, but I feel a little bit better just writing it down and putting these thoughts out there. There is the underlying doubt in my mind that the field may not be worthy of my effort, and I feel I need to conquer or overcome it before I set out to change things. Maybe I should start a podcast on the future of civil engineering. I doubt I will make it that far, but I do appreciate your time and any thoughts you have. So this was just to me, it was a powerful email from Shane because he brought up things that I think people think about a lot, but they don't talk about. And some of the email might be dark, but we talk and you'll hear in the conversation you're about to hear. Shane's actually a really positive guy, a civil engineer who just wants to be successful. And that's why he wanted to talk about these things. And I think ultimately this episode's going to help a lot of civil engineers. All right. So now it's time to jump into today's civil engineering conversation with Shane. Can civil engineers be successful or is civil engineering just doomed? to be a commodity. Here we go. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome Shane Sheldon onto the Civil Engineering Podcast. Shane, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, Anthony. All right, so Shane sent me an email that you just heard a few minutes ago in the introduction that had a lot of very interesting questions in it around the future of civil engineering, prospects of a civil engineer as far as your future goes which I thought was great because as I said earlier, a lot of the stuff you hear on the podcast is very positive and it's a lot of success stories, which is a good thing that you can learn from. But at the end of the day, I mean, we need to think about both sides of things and those CEs that are thinking about their future, we want to talk about some things. So before we jump in with Shane here, I want to just read a couple short section from the end of his email again, because I think it's a good place that, for us to jump in where he says, I'd love for you to do a podcast or article on the real value of civil engineering and what is the future of the field. It seems like there are some underlying factors that make it not very valuable. Construction basically hasn't changed in 80 years. The tools, the problems, the methods we use are not new or innovative and therefore are not valuable. I understand why it's a public infrastructure and it can't fail. So things change very slowly, if at all, because nothing is new. It almost seems like a field waiting to be taken over by computers or robots or outsourced to cheaper labor in another country. Should I get out now? And should we all just be designing computers to take over our jobs? And so Shane, I know like you and I talked a little bit before this too, and I read the whole email before this was kind of the end section part of it, but what got you thinking about all this? Yeah, that sounds a little pessimistic hearing it back, but at the time it was sort of on my mind. And I think that it just, I got to a point in my career where I felt like I needed to be calculated in my next decision. I wanted to make sure that moving forward, I was making decisions and doing things that were going to set me up for success, not just the next week or two on this project, but really thinking long-term and thinking bigger picture. And, you know, I was starting to doubt it stemmed from a little bit of frustration with 
how much money I think I was making and, and how much I could make and just thinking that through and trying to make a plan in the long term. And I, I started to question a lot of things. So I sent you an email. This is what I can say for all of you out there listening is if you want an analogy, I think maybe for this episode or for this conversation, it's I think from a lot of the podcasts that you might have heard or just in general, I mean, you see a lot of stuff out there about civil engineering and infrastructure needs help and civil engineers are going to save the world and all this stuff. If you think about your career as a civil engineer, right, it's not a track that you're running around that has no hurdles, that's free and clear and that you can just sprint. There's lots of hurdles involved, and we're going to get into some of them right now. But the point that I wanted to have Shane on, especially after I read his email, was because he brings about a lot of the hurdles that are out there for civil engineers that people don't always talk about, but they're dealing with. And I think in our conversation, you'll hear, or maybe hopefully we can uncover, brainstorm a little bit about some of the solutions to these hurdles. Some of them may not have any yet, but nonetheless, I think that they're important to bring to light. So let's start with money, Shane, because you talked about that in the email. We touched on it already as one of the things that maybe started thinking about this. You were planning for your future. Talk a little bit about money and salaries with civil engineering and your experience that you can share with people and what made you concerned about it. I really want to just have an honest conversation about some of the things. I think they're not talked about often in civil engineering. I think that we think of ourselves, and rightly so, as sort of doing good work. And I believe that. I've been in the industry for you know many years now, and I feel like I do. my projects are valid and my projects you know, have worth to them. That being said, I do think that there are just some realities of civil engineering. It is, you know, it's an industry that works in the physical world. We are digging things up. We are putting things in the ground. We are building structures and bridges and pipes and and all sorts of infrastructure. It's things that people can see and wrap their head around. And in a lot of ways, I think that that means that since it's people understand it, they don't value it as much, right? It's also things that have been around for a long time. I mean, sewer is a sewer is a sewer. And if you're putting a new sewer in the ground, I think that in a lot of ways, it's going to look a lot like the last sewer. And a lot of our industry is we are replacing aging infrastructure with the exact same infrastructure. And if that's the case, and you can sort of realize, and there are huge problems and we need to, you know, sort of, there are huge infrastructure problems in this country. And I think everyone realizes that, but oftentimes you repave a road, or you build a new road, it looks a lot like the last road. And the last, that bridge looks a lot like the other bridges and does, hasn't moved a lot. And I think because of that, there's been some commoditization of the labor because people believe that, you know, there's not a lot to it. And we'll just put in the same sewer like the last guy did. And, you know, it's heavily regulated. It's public money oftentimes, right? We're working for state, local agencies and governments. And so because it's public infrastructure, there's a lot of regulatory framework around that. There's not a lot of room for markup. It just means that our industry is not, doesn't have huge margins. And, you know, you don't just make an app and if it does well, it can be huge, right? Like they're just, I think that that is an undeniable fact that there is, you know, first of all, civil engineers tend to get paid a little less than most other engineering, definitely computer science, even, you know, mechanical and electrical and chemical. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's, the technology isn't that innovative and it hasn't, you know, it's been around. And because of that, there's been some, the labor has been uh, sort of squeezed and refined in a lot of ways. And therefore, there's just something to that. And I, I don't really have an answer for that necessarily, but I do think that it is a reality that civil engineers should definitely be aware of, or people that are going into civil engineering should just think that through a little bit and be 
it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing, but just know that you may not make a lot of money as a civil engineer or your options or ways to do that might be sort of limited in certain ways. And Yeah, I mean, I think the point there, what it boils down to is what you said is that in some ways, in some regions, in some locations, civil engineering has pretty much become a commodity, meaning those of you out there maybe that don't understand that point in terms of civil engineering, the way I look at it is that basically people are just looking for the cheapest civil engineering services they can get. Not everybody and not everywhere per se, maybe in every discipline, maybe you're not seeing that, but in a lot of respects, it's kind of like you go to the store now and you look, you see different brands and you pick the cheapest. Unfortunately, that's what happens with a lot of civil engineering projects. They get a bunch of proposals in, they look at the cheapest one and they go with it. That's not going to help salaries of civil engineers in any way because it's going to continue to cut down. In fact, I was just talking to someone at a firm recently who said, we never sharpen our pencil this much in terms of our pricing, but lately we've just had to. And when that happens, everybody feels it, whole organization all the way down from the interns to the executives, because you're making less money. And I think also what Shane said, which I really like, I don't like it, but I like that he brought this point up is the fact that people, I think, take for granted some things in the built or a lot of the built environment today. So it's funny. I just read a book to my five-year-old about, it was a kid's book. And in the book, a rainbow appears and everyone's like, oh my gosh, a rainbow. They're all gathering around it. They're loving it. But then the rainbow never goes away. So after like two weeks, everyone's like, oh, it's just the rainbow. Like nobody cares about it anymore. And it's kind of like people drive on the roads. They don't think about it. It rains. The rain goes away. People don't know where it goes. They just know that it doesn't flood their house or whatever, at least for the most part. And they take it for granted. And unfortunately, I think that that does make it hard for people to see the value of civil engineering in a lot of regards. That's absolutely right. I mean, you know, a thousand years ago, if I was to bring clean water and make it pour out of a faucet into your glass and you could just drink that, people would have thought, you know, you were a sorcerer or something and would have valued that very highly. And, and civil engineers and historically might have been sort of we think back to Roman times, like they might have been the most valuable people in that society in a way. And they were sort of the cutting edge and the scientists and a lot of the great buildings and people that we think of like Michelangelo and these, they were often sort of civil engineers in a way. But now I think that people just expect the water, clean water to come out of the faucet. Of course, clean water. You know, I live in the United States. Why? Of course, clean water comes out of my faucet and they don't necessarily realize, you know, what goes into that. I mean, also the, the costs are sort of not well understood. I mean, the ASCE came out with their report card, which they do it kind of every year. And, you know, I think that they were saying that we need somewhere around $2 trillion of infrastructure spending over the next 10, 15, 20 years just to sort of catch up. I mean, that's an enormous amount of money. That's like our GDP is three something, right? So like, that's a huge, a huge amount of money. And I think that we hear a lot about, oh, you know, Amazon just bought Whole Foods for $12 billion. And I kind of want to tell people like, great, that maybe builds you a Manhattan, half of a subway line in Manhattan. Like maybe that builds you a good tunnel on the Hudson. But that's about it. Like one good tunnel on the Hudson. That's what, you know, all of Whole Foods is worth. And I think that those costs are just sort of not really seen. And like I said, it's also public infrastructure and it's it has to sort of work. And so they're is redundancies upon redundancies, so you can't move that quickly. And a lot of it's regulatory. I think that, I don't know, I could imagine a day where computer code becomes so valuable to our society where there are regulations about what type of code you can write and how you can write it. And, you know, it has to be documented in a certain way, kind of like in civil engineering. When you turn in plans and specs, there are very particular rules about how things are and how those 
plan sets and those specs read out and it's built out. But in, in other industries, I mean, there are standards and there are standards and code and things, but it's very regulated and civil. And that's just because it's so important. You know, that infrastructure is, it can't fail and therefore just tends to move slowly. So now that we started with the darker side of the conversation, I think we can maybe brainstorm on some things like moving forward. I mean, I think that the points we covered are important. They're valid and they're concerns that civil engineers should be aware of, especially if you're just starting out. And like Shane said, you might have like life and career decisions that you have to make. And all the things that we talked about, like you should consider them because I think they're real. I think I've talked to enough people on these podcasts and Shane's been in the industry for a long time. We're not just obviously making these things up. So these things are something that are real to consider. A couple of things that I think, and we can talk about this a little bit, that can help you maybe to protect yourself from becoming a commodity or help you to rise above some of these things that we've talked about definitely would be your individual expertise. I mean, I think that if you're able to build a very specific expertise in a specific field in a specific region, not saying it's easy to do, but the more you do that, the more that you, I think, keep the demand for your services a little bit higher maybe than someone that maybe has a more broader focus. I think people with a broad focus, it's just there's more people with a broad focus, so then they're going to have more to pick from. And I know one of the episodes that we did recently with Bob Mora, which Shane listened to, and he actually emailed me, though, before he heard the episode with Bob, and he did enjoy the one with Bob and told me that gave a little hope for some of the things he had mentioned. But again, Bob's a good example of this because Bob, if you didn't listen to the episode, you should check it out. If you go to civilengineeringpodcast.com, you'll look for uh, Bob Mora. I believe it's episode number uh, 79 or 78. And essentially what Bob did is he's got a niche. I mean, he's a really focused on water resources in New Orleans, flood protection, water resources. And he's been in the community and he knows a lot of people. And what he was explaining to us is that his company, I think, did something along the lines of 50% of the work was pro bono because it's work that he wants to do and loves to do. Yet they were able to bill a tremendous amount of money last year. One of the things that I took away from that is he said, Hurricane Katrina changed everything. And I think that that's a little bit of his success, probably a little related to that. And that took something so catastrophic and it took something so devastating for people to say, hey, wait, we can't just do this the same way we've been doing it. It's not going to work. And when something like that happens, then things change and they go, okay, wait, this is a harder problem now. We're not just replacing the infrastructure with the same infrastructure again. We need a new approach. And that's when people, innovative people like Bob can come in and say, hey, look, I'm a good engineer. I'm smart. I'm thoughtful. I'm going to figure out your hard problems, you know, but I'm going to charge you. And, you know, my skills are valuable and they're unique. I think that is a credit to, you know, Bob and, and who he is as an engineer and that he's able to kind of do that. And we talked about a little bit in the email, like, is, is that scalable and, and will that work whenever it's not so necessary and there wasn't the, the taste of that catastrophe in people's mouth and it becomes kind of rote. Will he still be able to kind of do the same? I hope so. I mean, I hope he's able to sort of maintain it because I, I really like, he seemed like a very thoughtful guy and he seemed like he was trying to build the kind of firm that I would want to build or that I would want to work for. I did take some, some solace and I was like, oh, look, there are people doing it well and there are guys that are trying to be, do things differently and be innovative. Um, I think that's a little bit my point that I thought about when trying to think about this was just, it's somewhat on us. We can be the change that we sh you know, want to see. I think it depends on what level you're at and who you are and where you are in the company. But you know, you have a client that like, hey, look, there's a different way. I don't know, they're 
try this something new. I live in a kind of mountainous town and our water supply comes from up on a mountain and it loses a, thousand, a couple thousand feet as it comes down into town. And the city, the local city here in Oregon, uh, has uh, several pressure reducing valves as it goes down the mountain, a whole series of them. Some of them are quite large. And I was, repl- I was working on a project, we we're going to replace a PRV and I'd never done a PRV before, but it was pretty straightforward because I kind of just copied the last PRV that they had done before. And right, that's what we do. And, and you know, time is money and it was a consulting job and this is my budget. And I didn't really have time to like design a brand new PRV. I basically just took the last one and used those plans as a basis and made it fit the new site in a different location. And that's, I think, what we do, right? Because that's how you make money as a civil engineer is you have to be fast. You have to be, you know, you sort of, you have to use the institutional knowledge that we have. And that is how we sort of make money. And that's how firms are successful is that you can sort of use what you've done before and that makes you faster. Because really that's the name of the game in civil engineering is, you know, you can either, it's about time is money and we're consultants and that speed is what matters. You can get it in different ways, right? You can be innovative. You know, you've had some people on the on the podcast that I'm trying to remember his name, the guy that did Red Dog and he talked about grading plans and He's like, well, I have this program that is like really fast. I can do grading plans really quickly and kind of throw them out there. And, and in land development, you know, that's an edge that I need. And like every little edge, every little efficiency you can get, every little program that can speed you up a little bit, you know, that's how you are a little bit cheaper. And that's how you make a little bit more money. No, you're right. And it comes down to pressure, too, because then you get more pressure on YouTube with the time. I mean, the, this is some of the things we're talking about in terms of hurdles, right? Like people are looking for fast turnaround time. Of course, there's budgets involved. There's things involved. You're kind of behind the eight ball on all those things. And I think the stuff that you're saying is true. If we do innovate and if we can innovate and do something different, you might be, be able to create a career path that may be a little le- less stressful, not necessarily much more, not that you're going to do anything much different. Another guy that we've had on the podcast too, Sam Lytle, who has a company called Civil FX, he was a civil engineer as well, but he really liked animation and he ended up he had worked on some animation for some of his projects and he ended up going out on his own and starting this company. And now he focuses on doing 3d animations for civil engineering companies for their projects. He was very innovative. Obviously he created his own company doing this and he's been very successful with it, but he saw that he wanted to do something. It's kind of like a pivot. He didn't leave civil engineering. He still keeps his license. He's working with CE firms and projects every day in a little bit of a different way. So there are ways and people that are innovating out there And I think the other part of this, too, that we should touch on here is relationships, because at the end of the day, you can't outsource relationships and relationship building. Right. And I think going back to Bob Mora and for those of you who want to check that episode out, it was episode 78. But I know Bob pretty well for several years now, and I've been down at conferences with him and everybody pretty much knows and loves Bob because of his involvement in the community, because of the way he takes the time to network with people. And so when you come back to commodity, I don't think that anyone is hiring Bob because he's the cheapest guy. And I'm not saying he's not the cheapest, but my point is, is that regardless of what his pricing is, I don't think anyone's calling him because of that. They're calling him because the relationship they have, because of the work he does, because of his attitude, because of his commitment to the community. Yes. And they trust him and they absolutely. And, and that is so important. And that was actually what I was going to say. One of so one is that we can push for innovation. In that PRV example, the pressure reducing valve example, I sort of in my internet searching was looking at these pumps as turbines, right? And I was like, oh, we could be producing electricity at each of these, you know, we have 15 or 20 pressure reducing valves and we could be producing electricity at each of those stations. 
And this, I didn't really get to look at that. And I don't know if that's actually possible. I don't know. But the city didn't even have the budget to sort of think about that kind of project, right? They didn't have the time or the budget. And honestly, they don't have the sort of capacity because as working civil servants, you know, working for the city, they don't have time to think about doing their system differently. But it could be huge, right? They could be producing enough electricity to offset their entire city electric bill, possibly. I, have, I don't actually know. I didn't do any study or anything. But I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of thing that where, like, it exists. Like, you can produce electricity from and little vaults and stuff and, and distribute a thing. And I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, it is, it's out there. It's coming. You see it in residential a little bit more, right? You see people doing net zero and sort of gray water and doing, you know, solar panels on their roofs and these kind of innovative things that it, you know, tends to be wealthier clients that have a particular interest or something. But it starts there. And I do think that it will come out. We do have lead platinum buildings and, you know, things are changing, but it is feels glacial. And, you know, we're going to have driverless cars here, I think, in in not too distant future. And they from that was an infant idea to like completely built out the roads that they will be driving on have not changed a bit in whatever. I don't know. And they started building the interstate system, basically. But like those roads are going to be exactly the same. The driverless cars are going to come and go and we'll be on hovercrafts before the roads are even thought about changing. And I think that that is a little bit on us in a way. And then your point about networking is I can't even, I think that as I get into my career more, I really, I just can't stress that enough. Like it's very valuable. And that is how you sort of relationships are. I think that we all think I did too. I I sort of, I'm going to like, we might spend a hundred hours learning HECRAS, right? So I I did a lot of HECRAS modeling and, you know, that probably took me like a hundred hours to learn how to do that. Like it's worth 20 hours or 25 hours to build a relationship. If you think about that, like we're all willing to spend a hundred hours to learn a new model or to learn some new, you know, system of, of doing things to get that project done a little bit better. But just if we just spent a quarter of that time that we do on technical training, on building relationships, I think it would go really, really far. And I'm trying to take that to heart now for me currently, you know, and I kind of wish I would have been more diligent about it earlier. That's what I love about your podcast. I think that you really have talked a lot about those soft skills and big picture thinking and 80-20 and really telling people, like, it's not just about your technical skills. Those can be replaced. You know, AutoCAD is getting better and other people can learn how to build the same model. But those relationships are way more valuable in a way than those technical skills. You know, you can always learn a new set of skills. You can always learn to push buttons in a different order to create a different result. But that relationship is sort of invaluable and it can't be recreated and it can't be replaced. We've talked about this a bit here and hopefully we brought some good ideas to the table. And just to kind of summarize a couple of them, I think there was three main points and and Shane touched on them again before, but the innovation is a big part of it. We as civil engineers, we have the opportunity to innovate, create new programs, whether it is a software or whether it is just a program or a company like we talked about Bob doing a little bit of a philosophy or whatever the case may be, you can innovate and you can change the way that your career is going, the way your company's operating, whatever the case may be. That's one big one. The second one is building some kind of expertise in a very specific niche that puts the demand for what you have to offer higher, where it can't just be a commodity and people can't just go online and say, you know, I'm going to post this thing up and get 45 civil engineering companies to give me a price and just pick the lowest. That's not possible because there aren't going to be as many people in your area in your with this expertise. And again, does this mean that you might have to relocate? It could be. I mean, listen, industry's changing. 
Shane's brought up some really good hurdles. And if you want to think long-term about your career and you're setting it up now, the geographic location, of course, in civil engineering could be really, really critical. So don't, don't rule that out for sure. And then the last one that we just talked about, which I like personally, I think is one of the most important is relationships. If you get out there early on in your career, any point in your career, wherever you are right now, you can start and you volunteer in your professional associations or you get more active in some local community endeavors, you're going to meet more people. You're going to make more contacts. You're probably going to have more fun in your career because if you build some strong relationships, it does make things enjoyable from my experience. And at the end of the day, you're going to help to take away that sense of commodity when people look at you as a civil engineer because they're going to say, man, Anthony's a really good guy. I have a good relationship with him. And then they're not even going to think about that side of it when they have a civil engineering need that you have expertise in. They're probably just going to call you because they just want to work with you. And that's on us, I think, as civil engineers to take those strides. So Shane, before we jump into our end segment here, is there anything else you want to add in terms of these points? I really, I like that summation. You know, I, I don't think it's, these aren't necessarily bad things. I don't want to sound like I was judging civil engineering. I'm proud to be a civil engineer. I just wanted to sort of be awake and, and have my eyes wide open and sort of look at this objectively as an engineer and sort of look at things. And industries do change. And, you know, manufacturing jobs have left, right? There's not a lot of people in steel mills or something. And I think that maybe my last thought would be that that's okay. Like, I think that something that is maybe not spoken of or, or not said sometimes is that if you're just on assembly line worker, that might not be the best job. And so the fact that those people had to change slightly and they had to innovate or they had to relearn new skills and, and do something different, we should just take that to heart. Like, civil engineering might change. There might be computers or, or outsourcing and things that, that come along that if you're just a low-level kind of person, you should take it upon yourself to learn new things and make yourself valuable. Yeah, I agree. And I think Shane, quite frankly, if people don't ask the kind of questions that you're asking about any industry, I think that's how the industry can become stagnant because you just keep going with your blinders on. That's why we need to challenge things and we need to ask these questions and we need to interview people like yourself that are bringing these things to light. These might be things on a lot of civil engineers' mind, but they may not be talking about. I think it is for sure. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. Just in talking with people offline, not on the podcast, but I but I think if you don't bring them to light, then they obviously can't be resolved. They can't be worked on. The innovation can't be brought about to rival some of these things. And that's why we need to bring it to light. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. All right. So Shane's going to stick with us. We'll be right back. We're going to pepper him with a few last questions in the CE Hot Seat segment. So stick around for that. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment where I'm going to pepper Shane with a few last questions here about his professional development. But before I do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Do you want to advance in your career but not sure where to start? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to grow in your profession is to get your civil engineering license. The best place to gather info on civil licensure and pick from multiple review options is ppi2pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Visit ppi2pass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take one step closer to career advancement. That's ppi2pass.com. For a little extra encouragement, I have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of our podcast. 
Use promo code TCE8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TCE and the number eight. All right, so I'm back here with Shane, and now it's time for the CE Hot Seat segment. All right, Shane, you ready to go? I'm ready. First question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or lunchtime routine, things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being a successful professional? Everyone is different, and you know I don't think that my routine is the best, but I definitely, when I heard Bob's uh, podcast last couple weeks ago, I thought about this, but I've, I've tried to start a mindfulness practice. I try to meditate, if not in the morning, maybe in the evening. It doesn't really happen every day. You know, and I'm not like a, a woo-woo kind of guy, uh, really, but there's something to it. And I, I would really uh, just say that if there's people out there that have never tried to get headspace or get an app and, and actually just try a little bit of mindfulness practice, I think that's actually really opened up my thoughts a little bit and uh, made me a little more aware and also a little bit more calm in, in my everyday life. Made you write that email to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. For me, I live in a little mountain town so that I can get outside and, and sort of work out. I believe that, you know, your mind and body need to be strong together and they're sort of somewhat connected. So, you know, I try to take care of myself, basically take care of your body. It's the only one you got and it, it kind of fuels your mind. So you need to take care of them both. That's a good point. And whether it's meditation for you, whether it's taking a walk, like Shane said, getting out, taking a bike ride, whatever the case may be in the fast paced world that the civil engineering industry is with all the projects and the deadlines and stuff, this can only be helpful to you. And I know it's not that easy to say, I need, I'm going to take this time to do this every day because I have a million other things to do. But I think long term, it's going to help you. You know, it's like that saying, if you're too busy to stop and fill up the car with gas, eventually you're going to run out. And that's, I think that kind of what Shane said there makes me think of that. All right, Shane, what's one book that you might recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you found to be helpful for yourself in your personal or professional development? I actually I have two. The one that I would normally say is Cradle to Cradle. I'm trying to remember the author right now, but it, it's a book that I read. It's fairly old. Guy has a TED Talk, and uh, it really just made me think. They really just question design, like transformative, and, and really just thinking outside. We can do things differently. Uh, I think that we tend to get stuck sometimes, and Cradle to Cradle really made me think, like, no, like there's, we can design our way out of anything. We as humans are quite, you know, we can do anything in that book. And then just recently, uh, my uncle gave me a really good book that I think that a lot of someone's read. It's called Janesville. I'm holding it right now. But an American story, it's about a GM plant that sort of left this town, Janesville in Wisconsin and just really well written and sort of investigated it kind of these macroeconomic forces and um, just kind of made me think a little bit. I actually haven't even finished it, but I'm still going to recommend it. It's a really good book. and. Uh, I think it makes you think about, you know, all these complex things that go into sort of an industry and how things can change and politics and forces and global forces that we may not even see that you don't even realize. And they do a really good job of kind of digging into that and, and sort of making it clear in, in a very interesting way. So it's a good book. So that's Janesville, which is by Amy Goldstein. And the other one was, I have it here. It's Cradle to Cradle, Remaking the Way We Make Things, Michael Brongart and William McDonough. And we'll link to both of those in the episode show notes. One final question for you, Shane, which we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her career advice in a short period of time, what would it be? I would just say, be thoughtful, be deliberate. I think that I and a lot of people 
tend to just make choices based on what's in front of them. And we kind of have to, right? We go to college and we get a degree. And then, you know, I came out and I was like, oh, it's a recession. And I just sort of took a job. And I don't think that I was maybe thinking five or 10 years ahead. And I would just suggest to young engineers to really do some thought, you know, go inside and sort of get it. What is your ideal life? Where do you want to wake up? What kind of car do you want to drive? And sort of write that out and have a clear vision and really think it through. And then I think that will maybe allow you to really think about how you can get there and that path. Once that vision for yourself is kind of clear, you can you know, just be more deliberate in that process. Shane, thank you so much for getting in touch with me, bringing up this topic and coming on and discussing it. I think it brings up a lot of good points and I'm appreciative you did it. Thank you for having me on. Before we sign off, I just want to remind you about our new online workshop, the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop. We have the online version, which starts April 23rd. We're also doing live events, one in Austin, April 12th, one in Central New Jersey, April 27th, and one in Orlando, May 18th. You can come to the full day in-person event and work on your management skills, including communication, how to be more productive, talk about public speaking, building expertise, how to build relationships. I mean, these are all the things that Shane talked about that can help you really succeed. So you can come to a live event or you can sign up for our next online workshop, which you can do at engineertomanager.com, engineertomanager.com. And this is a course that will go over five weeks online, but you can just do a couple hours a week. Again, go through all the courses on the topics we just talked about. They're all live webinars where you can ask me questions. You'll also have a coach that can work with you to help you work on assignments and really build these skills. So by the end of the session, you're not just taking some webinars and thinking about these skills. You're actually building these skills. The Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop will help you build the skills you need to rise to the top in your discipline. That's the bottom line. Check it out at engineer2manager.com. That's engineertomanager.com. Click on the testimonials page and you'll see what other engineers are saying about the program. So with that, I hope that you really enjoyed the episode for today as much as I did. Shane brought some great points up. You can go to civilengineeringpodcast.com and look for episode number 80. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Contact Us tab on our website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 